You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Rid Your Life of Toxic People. I am Dr. Heidi, your toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. And today I'm super excited about today. I have a feeling that that today may spur some memories um, from my former life. I have a guest here today. Her name is Christina. Welcome, Christina. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes. And before we get going, I actually wanted to personally thank you. You've been in the Strength Within group uh, on Facebook since April of 2020 or somewhere around there. And mm-hmm. I, I really try to follow the group is getting big, but I try to follow people's stories. And I know that you have had a ton of struggle through the last few years. And I just wanted to thank you for your participation in that group and Mm -hmm. how much encouragement you have given, even in the times that you were struggling. So thank you for that. Um, the group I am talking about is a support group that is run on Facebook. It is a private group. Um, it is, I feel as it grows, it is getting stronger and it is getting um, more powerful the more it grows. There is uh, maybe almost 4,000 people in it. So you have a lot of camaraderie in there. The people that are in Strength Within are all experiencing or have experienced what you are experiencing in the relationships in your life that may not be healthy for you. So if you're looking for a community where you don't have to explain how you're feeling or explain what's going on, uh, Strength Within can be found by searching groups in Facebook. There is more than one Strength Within group on Facebook. The cover photo is a white flower growing out of a gray rock. So if you're looking for support from others who are going through the same thing, that is a good place to be. Okay, so Christina, I'm going to let you introduce yourself today. So tell us a little bit about yourself and anything you think we need to know that's significant about how how fantastic you are. I called you Christina the Great earlier today um, because I think people are going to think that when they hear your story. Oh, why thank you. Um, So I'm Christina. Um, I have two children who are just shy of their teen years. So um, parenting has been, um, a blessing and a challenge as it is. For... We will pray for you. No, <laughs> right. Um, I was married for almost 14 years. Um, when I got divorced, I found myself immediately in a toxic relationship. 
Um, I think just because I was so vulnerable and we know that toxic people like to prey on vulnerability. And so I was essentially a sitting duck to this toxic person. Um, and that's just kind of, I guess, how my story starts. Okay. So that, that makes me ask you just because we have a lot of people who repeat toxic relationships. So now that we know that you're previously divorced, was that a relationship that was toxic also, or, or was the demise of no. that relationship just? No, no, my marriage was not toxic. Toxic. It was um, my dating relationship after that. Okay. So you, so you know what a, even though you're divorced now, you do know what a normal relationship can feel like. Yes. Yes. Okay. How did you find me? I found you, gosh, it was, I was listening to one of the Avaya um, podcasts. I think it was mm -hmm. the like breaking free from narcissistic abuse or something like that. Okay. And you were on there and I was just all ears in when, you know, I heard you speak and then looked you up on the strength within group. And here we are. Um, I actually love that Avaya. They do I great do work. Too. I, I just did. In fact, I think my um, presentation aired on Saturday. I just participated in another one. And so if oh, you're, awesome. yes, they do. What the, what Avaya University does is they put together a bunch of speakers on one topic, and you can sign up um, to listen to all the speakers. So if you're not familiar mm -hmm. with them, they do a fantastic job. So thank you for mentioning. Yes, that. they are amazing, and it's free too. Yes, it's it's free, but if you want the replay, you can purchase the replay. Yeah, for, yes, it's yes. very inexpensive. But it, you know, I try to watch them when I'm in them. I try to watch all of them, and and they are very very helpful. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, give us a little background on your experience with the toxic personality. Um. Well, I didn't have any background. Um. This was my first experience with a toxic person. So, um. I was very easily sucked in. Um, this was a friend of mine um, and he became my shoulder to cry on when I was going through my divorce, um, which I now know like that was his, you know, manipulation, his in um, to my life. What's that? I said, yes, his way in the door. Yep, absolutely. Um, and you know, that created a bond between us, you know, he, um, would vent about his ex-girlfriend. I would vent about my marriage and we just kind of drew closer and me being, I guess, an emotional wreck and vulnerable and just everything through him listening to, um, just my wants, my desires, my fantasies, my, just everything I've you know, was deprived of everything that I wanted, he became those things for me. So, mm -hmm. you know, all of a sudden I started to see him through, you know, a completely different lens, whereas he went from essentially my friend to all of a sudden my knight in shining armor. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, I just, kind of got sucked in from there. But I mean, I, I didn't know any better. I had never um, known any toxic people that I was aware of. I mean, I'm sure I was exposed to them, but I, you know, I knew nothing of 
you know, that kind of personality really before this relationship. So I was very naive. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's a blessing and a curse to be naive because, yes. you know, that means that you've had, you know, good relationships or not toxic relationships because I was, I was the same way, you know, when I went out, um, and met my former, I had no idea that there was people like this out there. And why would we think that? Because, you know, we assume, we assume that people want what's good for us. Why would right. somebody not want what was good for right. us? So we I don't know what we don't know. <laughs> so how long were you in this relationship? Uh, about three years. Okay. Uh, when did you realize that the situation that you were in was not what you thought it was? Um, I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, I, I noticed stuff right away. Um, you know, all the over the top stuff he did for me when he was love bombing me. Um, it just seemed like he was trying way too hard despite me telling him. Um, I saw the way he would passively like manipulate people into getting his way. I saw how he could flawlessly lie to someone and just talk his way out of anything like right on the spot and actually like be successful at it, even though he was wrong. Um, I saw the way he triangulated his ex-girlfriend and I, um, he was just very superficial and fake with our friends and families, you know, just trying to be the stand-up guy that everybody loves, the smooth talker, the people pleaser. Um, but like I said, because I'd never been exposed to a toxic personality, I just, I didn't know. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt um, because I'd fallen for all his sob stories in the past, um, including a prior imprisonment. Um, and I knew that he had been through a lot. So me being the kind and compassionate and empathetic person, you know, I chose to look past all that and see the good in him and sweep everything under the rug. And, um, you know, I feel like we're always told to, you know, see the best in people. Well, now being out, I see how very flawed and dangerous that thinking can be. And you need to see exactly what's being presented to you, not just mm -hmm. the best in people. Yeah. And I think our personality makes us feel bad for not, for having to go to the lengths of not seeing the best in people, yes. because like you said, that's, that's what we're taught. Yes. Know? So was there, was there like a turning point? Because a lot of people will say, well, you know, it was actually not going bad until we moved in together or until, you know, we got engaged or there's usually a turning point where it goes from, okay, it was still okay. Even though you might've seen some red flags to all of a sudden, like, oh, something has shifted in here. Did you have an event or anything that where you would, you were like, yeah, this is Kind of. I mean, I feel like everything is such a gray area. Um, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, anything in that relationship, but um, something that definitely moved me was um, the kids and I actually had been staying with him. We stayed with him for six months. Um, and when I started to see my children's behavior decline, um, like they started to like act out more. Um, they started to have attitudes. Um, he was always wanting them to be punished and they were literally grounded all the time. Um, I had never um, had issues with, you know, my children's behavior in the past, um, but they literally spent 
almost all day, every day in their rooms per his request, because, mm -hmm. you know, they, they were not up to par with, you know, whatever he wanted, which is like, looking back, it's just, it's like complete craziness to me because he doesn't have children. So it's, it's like, here I am listening to a man who doesn't have children on what I should be doing with my parenting. And he, he doesn't even have children. So. Yeah, so it was funny how he just stepped into the parenting role. Yes. Yes. Okay. And just um, how quickly he could be controlling in that aspect. And I just, you know, essentially do what he says. So let me ask you this. Did your former husband have uh, questions about the kid's behavior that he would have asked you about? Did he notice um, the change in the kid's behavior? He, he noticed a little bit, I think, you know, if I had to assume, I think when the kids went to his house, it was a sense of freedom. So, um, they really didn't see too much or my ex-husband didn't see too much of okay. that because, you know, that was like, you know, it was a like vacation really for them essentially. <laughs> so, um, no, he didn't have too many issues with them. He did know like that I had put them in counseling and stuff like that. But, um, majority of the issues were just when the kids were with me. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what led you up to the point where you knew that you had to leave, like what kinds of things were going on? Was it escalating? Were things getting worse? Yeah. So like me leaving was a very, very long process. Um, like I said, we dated for three years. Um, the first time that I tried to leave was after about a year. Um, he had cheated on me, but then, you know, through manipulation and his, you know, phenomenal lying, like I, you know, bought his sob story and got sucked right back in. Um, and I feel like the whole second year of our relationship was nothing but me leaving and returning. You know, each time I tried to leave, he would up his game, whether it be surprising me with, you know, gifts or, you know, a vacation or um, he had bought me a ring. So that was held over my head, you know, a lot, you know, oh, I love you so much. You know, I have plans to marry you one day. I wouldn't have bought this ring if, you know, I didn't love you this much. So like, he definitely knew how to play on my guilt and my emotions with that ring. Um, you know, in, in things such as like becoming more controlling and obsessive. Um, and with that, like at first I took, you know, the obsessiveness and the controlling as, endearment. Like right. he really loved me if he's willing to fight so hard for me and for our relationship and do whatever it takes. And, you know, so that sucked me back in a few times when, you know, really, I now know that that was just all manipulation. He really didn't love me. Um, and I got to a point, um, in the second year where I realized I just could not leave. Um, I wasn't emotionally strong enough. Uh, he had conditioned me to be incredibly dependent on him. Um, he knew all the right buttons to push. He knew how to play on my guilt, my emotions. Um, he knew my kids were my soft spot. So like, um, you know, just trying to control me with them. Not that he turned them against me, but just, um, he just knew how to incorporate that into mm -hmm you know, me feeling guilty or whatever it was. 
Um, and I was honestly just scared at that point. You know, it was easier, and I say easier with air quotes because it's never easy, but it was easier to stay than to deal with the consequences of leaving. Um, I knew he was extremely revengeful. He was a phenomenal liar and very resourceful. And um, I knew that he was capable of violence, even though he had never been physically violent with me. Um, he had told me, you know, many stories of his past, which included like vandalism and setting cars on fire. So it was basically passive intimidation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I was afraid to leave because if he's, you know, sought revenge on people setting their cars on fire and stuff, like what's he going to do to me? You know what right. I mean? So knowing all this, um, I felt like there was only two ways out. Um, one would be for him to get caught in all his um, illegal activity, which he was involved in, which I had later learned of. Um, so him going back to prison was my out or him finding another girl to occupy his attention mm -hmm. was my out. Um, so that third year of our relationship, I basically was just playing the part just to buy me time until one of those two things had happened. Um, I had also accepted that I was not strong enough to leave. Um, and that's when I really started to dig deep and work on myself um, was during that time. Like, so I could be strong enough when the, the time did finally come to leave that I was able to do it and never look back. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, when you, when you say that, you know, a lot of people, they're so preoccupied because we have to be, we have to stay one step ahead of them yeah. because, you know, instilling fear is one of their tactics to, to stay in control over you. But yeah. You know, when we continually stay out of fear, like you said, we tend to always have our attention on them because what's uh -huh. going to happen next and we have to be prepared and we have to protect the kids and we have to, we just have to be ready for, for yes. however we, you know, we need to adapt. And I always encourage people that even if you're not ready to leave, or even if your exit plan is not complete, or even if you can't see the whole staircase, because we can't, and you'll probably agree with me on that. Uh -huh. Start working on yourself while you're still in it yes. because, because the people that I have seen do that, once they get to the other side, they have a lot more stability in themselves. And, mm -hmm. and you know, again, it's just like, it's just like the, when someone's going through a divorce process, we sometimes feel like we can't, we can't move on with our life until the divorce process is over, mm -hmm. but really you can. And we just have this going on in the background because like you said, digging deep. So I love that you said the whole working on yourself before you were ever out, because that is a huge, huge mm -hmm. portion. And that, so then, that go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that that took a lot of um, what do I want to say, almost as if I had to kind of just surrender the fact that I was okay, in a sense, with staying in this relationship 
until I was strong enough to leave because there was going to be consequences regardless. There's going to be consequences right. if I up and left because I'd likely get sucked back in and it would just be the back and forth again. Or there was going to be the consequences of, you know, staying in the relationship and being subjected to, you know, his constant abuse. So it was kind of, you know, sort of picking the lesser of the two evils. I, I knew I was confident. I knew how to survive in the relationship, you know, mm -hmm. because you, you just learn how to after so long, I was not confident that I could survive out of it. So it, I got to a place where I was just like, kind of at peace with, okay, I'm just, I'm going to play the part. I'm just going to go through the motions, but I am going to give it everything I got and just educate myself and work on myself to gain my confidence so that when the time comes, there isn't going to be any more back and forth. Yes. And I love that you say that because, you know, for you to be able to work on yourself while you're in the middle of it, playing the part, you almost have to designate time to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to designate time. You have to designate energy, which they don't allow us to have. Mm -hmm. So it is a conscious decision to just be like, okay, I am, I have to start taking care of myself. So and tell I, us I even oh, used, I would say I even used like his, when he would be manipulative with me or just, you know, his games, I would kind of use that as now, you know, because I could recognize him at this point, I would use those as little tests of my skills. So mm -hmm. like, for example, you know, I never really got to, um, I don't know, just throwing this out there, like never really got to make decisions for what we had for dinner. It was always chosen for me. So, you know, in the times that he would ask me, you know, do you want this or this? A lot of times I would just be like, I don't care, whatever, like, you know, cause I didn't want to, I knew there was a fight coming, right. but I got to a point where it was just like, I'm going to pick this for dinner. This is what I want, you know, and I was going to stick to that. So it's just like small things like making choices for myself or, you know, slowly making myself a priority. You know, if I'm, my schedule was always, you know, based off of his, you know, so then I got to a point where it's like, okay, you know, I made the decision, I'm going to go for a walk right now. And, um, you know, prior it would be like, you know, he would make up some excuse and I would be like, oh, well, I guess I can go for a walk later then or something. But then it was like, no, I'm going to go for a walk now. If you want to come with me, you're welcome to come with me, but I am going now. So just kind of putting like practicing, being assertive, practicing, putting mm -hmm. myself first, practicing, you know, being confident, um, and just playing off of that little by little each day, like that's kind of how I built my confidence over time and actually put those skills to the test while I was in the relationship. So how did you prepare yourself? Like on the day that you said, I'm going to go for a walk because you knew that there was going to be conflict or something mm -hmm. after you said, after you asserted yourself that you're going to go for a walk. So how did you uh, because I know that a lot of the listeners are feeling like you just described. We don't, we don't choose what we're having for supper. Mm -hmm. We change our plans to accommodate them. Yes. So in order for you to be prepared, because knowing there's going to be conflict coming, mm -hmm. what did, what did you, what did you do? Did you just allow the conflict to come and just deal with it in the same way? It, I mean, it was, it was a work in process. It, it wasn't, it wasn't easy at first. It wasn't pretty at first. You know, I gave in a lot at first, but it was just, just keep 
keep practicing it, keep sticking to your word. You know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Yeah. They're going to come at you with, you know, oh, well, let's go later. Or really, they don't want to go later. They just want you to, you know, they just want to know that they can control your, your plans. So, you know, just. Did you see a change in his behavior when you started asserting yourself? Yes. He, um, he essentially upped his game. So he became more assertive and Mm -hmm. it was kind of like, you know, fighting fire with fire, you know, which is what, which is what keeps us there because that's what we're afraid of. Yes. And I mean, I, you know, I'll admit it. I had to play his game, you know, back with him, you know, he would be manipulative with me. I would be manipulative, manipulative with him. Um, sometimes it was for my own benefit. Sometimes it was because I didn't even know I was doing it. It was just these, you know, habits that I was picking up and the only Mm -hmm. way I knew how to get my way, you know, even though it was appropriate, like whatever I wanted, the only way I could get my way was to manipulate him back. Right. Um, And and that's, that's a perfect example of you, you had really already tried everything there was. Yeah. You know, if you were, you tried everything to make the relationship better. So what you're talking about right now is, yeah, it's the fight fire with fire. If you can't beat him, join him type of thing, because everything else hasn't worked. So tell us kind of what happened when you decided to remove yourself or tell us how, how you did that, or, you know, what led up to you finally going, okay, I'm out of here. So it was Halloween of last year. Um, He had started to become a lot more mean with me, just kind of condescending, just a lot more assertive and controlling. And um, Halloween of last year, I had found out that he had a bunch of other girls on the side um, that he was messing around with. And so between finding that out and him and I getting into an argument and him really raising his voice with me. He had never really raised his voice with me in the past. He was never physically violent or anything like that, but I could see the progression in his behaviors and him getting loud with me scared me. And Mm -hmm. so that was, that was kind of the final straw for me. Um, I knew I was leaving prematurely to my plan, Um, but I also knew if he's going to be sleeping around with all these other girls and here I am just trying to play the part, like I didn't want to, you know, catch an STD or, you know, I don't know what he's side. So between that and his progression and behavior, I made the decision to leave, um, Halloween of last year. And it's, um, Unfortunately, now looking back, walking out the door was actually the easy part for what was to come Um, because things got really, really bad. Um, I, you know, I knew that he was going to come at me with all that he had. I knew I wasn't strong enough to go completely no contact yet. So I made the commitment to be as minimal as I could. but he, he went into game mode right away. It started with like the small apologies. Um, then it came to showing up, you know, at my door sobbing. Now I live like 
two minutes walking distance from him. I live right down the street from him. So it was very easy for him to just constantly show up at my door. Um, you know, then it started with him like sending gifts and then sending the kids gifts. And, um, you know, when he saw that wasn't working, then he actually faked a hospital psych admission, um, saying that he was so distraught over me. And he went as far as, um, to, do you know what spoofing numbers is like phone numbers? Cause I had never known what this was. Have you heard of that before? Mm-hmm. Yes. No. Sir. Okay. So, uh, so spoofing numbers is like, he, I don't know like exactly how to do it, but he had, um, he would put in like a phone number, however you do it, but it would show up on my phone. Like he was calling from the hospital that he was in. He was never in the hospital, but it appeared like he was making phone calls from the hospital. So I, I believed, you know, that he was literally on a psych floor in a hospital because he was so distraught over me. So like he would play on my guilt that way. And, you know, my compassion that way, you know, he started threatening suicide. Um, every time I went to block his phone number or his email, he would just call me from a different phone number, or he would like spoof one of my friend's phone numbers to where I thought one of my friends was calling me. So I would answer and it would be him. Um, you know, he would create new email addresses every time I'd block his email address. Um, and then it just like, you know, I was really sticking to my guns. It was minimal, you know, still minimal contact. And then um, one morning or actually one night he was pounding on my door at like one o'clock in the morning would not leave. Like I didn't answer the door and it really scared me. And then the next morning he was waiting for me outside um, my home for when I went to leave for work and um confronted me and it just it really scared me so that was the first time that i had actually called the police on him and the police had you know tried to convince me to file for a protection order but i was scared to do so cuz it's right. i knew what he was capable of you know if i if i file for a protection order against him it's just going to piss him off even more um So I just, I felt so backed into a corner, like here he is, you know, really starting to kind of become very aggressive and, you know, but here, if I file for a protection order, like what's the consequences of that? Um, Excuse me. So I actually did end up filing for one um, and he filed for one too, just to be a jerk. Um, and he framed me in court. So his was granted and mine was denied, even though, um, I had all the proof in the world. I had all the, um, you know, like all the police reports, you know, all the phone logs of him constantly calling, you know, just, I had so Mm -hmm. much black and white proof, but, um, the magistrate just, he, he just did a really good job framing me, like just mm-hmm. went way out of his way to frame me, like creating videos of me pulling in his driveway. And, um, you know, it, it appeared as if I was the one stalking him. Um, <clears throat> when, 
obviously he was the one stalking me. So, um, and then like, he would just do other crazy things. Like he lit firecrackers outside my bedroom window one night in the middle of the night to scare me. Um, and when those things weren't working, he upped his game even more. He actually had set my car on fire. Um, which is something that I had feared all along. And, um, the night he set my car on fire, he actually, I was not home, but he had come to my home and kicked in my door and broke into my home. Um, he didn't steal anything. It was all just, you know, not that I'm downplaying what he was doing, but it was for intimidation. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't that he wanted to hurt me because he knew I wasn't home because I was stranded. Um, cause I was with my car. Excuse me. I just had a drink of water. <clears throat> um, so, <clears throat> um, yeah, it just, it just kind of progressed to these acts of violence. And then when he was out on bond one morning, he was waiting for me outside my, um, ex-husband's house one morning when I went to drop the kids off um and he followed me that morning um you know I went to the police station and stuff (coughs) excuse me um so yeah he just he it really it really turned into a very very scary situation and Thankfully, he was arrested and, you know, he did violate his bond a few times um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, came back and harassed me when he was out. But Mm -hmm. um, it's it's so strange. You know, we see this escalation in uh, behavior and, you know, we still look at it like we can't believe they're doing this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a it's a relationship. Relationships dissolve all the time. right? Right. And. The thing that you have to remember when this stuff happens is it's not the loss of the relationship that he's having a problem with. It's, it's the loss of control over you and he's feeling insecure. And so, um, it just, it's so mind boggling to us because, you know, we know that our self-security comes from within ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when you try to think the way they're thinking and they need the people strategically placed in their lives to make them feel secure all of this behavior because when you think about it Christina you would think oh my goodness you know you must have been so in love with me because good grief we broke up and you you can't move on and you can't you know all of this Mm -hmm. stuff but at the end of the day it's a total control power play because of their feeling of insecurity and that's what gets dangerous yes in these types of situations because we keep thinking it's the relationship and it's not, it's, it's the loss of control, which that's the loss of control and the loss of reaction from you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talk about the escalation. Yes. He's getting, he's escalating things because he's still feeling insecure. But the other aspect of this is you weren't reacting, right? You know, you were really trying to stay calm and you were trying to do things the right way and not give him the reaction and not engage. And, and that is the other thing that drives insecurity in himself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm glad that you were able to come on today's podcast because there's a lot of people that are in the emotionally abusive relationships and 
I, I hear it all the time. Oh, but they, they would never do anything harmful or they would never do anything to threaten. Well, you know, you don't really know the that. same thing. <laughs> yes. Until, until it's already in your lap because, yes. because you have to understand what's driving that. So mm -hmm. how did, how did you end up being able to protect yourself? Um, you, you tried well, to stay minimal contact and just tried to stay one step ahead of him in the, cause, cause you knew it was coming. You knew enough about his history that you knew it had the potential to get. Yes. Ugly. Yeah. Um, some people don't even realize that, that it has the potential to get that ugly, but so right. how did you, what steps did you take to protect yourself and your kids from that? Um, well, we had the kids and I had moved, um, back to my place, um, you know, after staying there for only six months. So that whole last year that we were together, we were actually living separately, but, you know, I was like, you know, back and forth to his house a lot. But so the first step was getting my kids out of that situation. Um, then, you know, when he had like hacked into my electronics like he got into my internet my router um he hacked into my phone and actually um locked my phone and wiped it clean the night before the um protection order hearing so you know mm -hmm. everything that i needed for that hearing on my phone was now gone so um <clears throat> i had to get like all new electronics i got um like security cameras i had to get um when he framed me in court i got a dash cam on my car so i can prove where i was at all times in case he tried to ever do that again mm -hmm. um trying to think what else um changing my phone number even though like i had told you know law enforcement was just really pushing the issue and i was like look he's gonna he's gonna find my new number um, you know, it's only a matter of time. And he did. It took a month for him to figure out my new phone number. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, changing my phone number, you know, helped at least a little while. Um, you know, starting to just be honest with myself and be comfortable with telling people what was going on, um, even though, you know, not a lot of people believed me, but just kind of making people aware of the situation um just so i wasn't you know out on this island by myself defending right. you know a professional con man on my own um and really honestly knowledge is power you know just um educating myself on the situation the best ways to protect me just working you know working on myself honestly was probably um you know, the, the best armor that I had, because, it, you know, he can, he can do all he wants around me, but I'm in charge of me now. And, um, you know, so making myself the strongest that I can to, you know, combat yes, that. About a week, maybe a week and a half ago, um, I saw you posted a picture of yourself in Strength Within. Yes. And the happiness in your face is incredible. So you're no contact with him completely, right? At this yeah, point. He, he he is actually in prison um, and will be for a long time. So um, I am safe in that aspect. Um, so yes, so, I am incredibly happy now. And at peace. Fine. And at peace. Yes, I, I am 
you know, just out here living my best life. And don't get me wrong, it's not easy by any means. I still struggle day to day. I still have to put the work in on myself every day. But um, I am so happy right now. Like, I just, I love life. I love where I am. And if you put yourself back where you were two years ago, you can't believe how far you've come, can you? No. No, I used to tell, you know, say to people all the time, like, I can't believe this is my life. Like in terms of, I can't believe, you know, just the, the chaos, the things that I'm going through, just um, the complete insanity that is going on in my life. And now I tell people, I can't believe this is my life in just how happy I am and how far I've come and um, just, you know, being at such peace now. Like I'm, I'm, I truly, I can't, I can't believe this is my life now. See, isn't that fun to say? Cause it I, is. I, I, it's so liberating. <laughs> I kept, I kept always going, how did you get here? Like, how did you end up here? And now, you know, in the marriage that I'm in now, I think the same thing. I'm like, I am so lucky. How did I get here? Mm-hmm. You know? And again, you, you know, just as well as I do, what we go through is, is the lessons that we need for our future. Yes. And so even, even looking back, I mean, you have not been out of it that long, but I, I know now that when you look back, you realize how strong you really were, even in the times that you felt like you were your weakest, yes. you were, you were getting stronger because you're not yes. the same person you were before you went into that relationship. Yes. Yes, so, definitely. So if, if you could tell the listeners one thing that would help them on their journey, what would it be? Um, I would say just give yourself some grace. Like this is hard stuff. This is not easy. You know, um, I lost count how many times, you know, I returned to that relationship. You know, the average person returns to an abusive relationship seven times. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even tell you how many times I returned. Um, and I used to carry a lot of shame with that. I used to carry a lot of shame with a lot of, you know, stuff like subjecting my children to him and, you know, ignoring all the red flags. And, um, it's, it's so easy to carry this shame and the shame is just so heavy. Um, but you've got to give yourself some grace. You got to just take it one day at a time. You know, there, there are going to be setbacks. That's, that's how we learn is from our setbacks, you know, just as sucky as the situation is, you've got to find something positive in it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, find the little blessings that lie within, you know, all the negativity and just hold on to those and just build off of those and, um, you know, just keep working every day, you know, just put your skills into practice, keep educating yourself, you know, get help, get, you know, just anything you can do to make yourself stronger. And if you're not in a place where you're ready to leave, like, that's okay. Like, you know, just do what you can to work towards getting to a place, you know, where you can Mm -hmm. leave, you know, because if you leave before you're ready, you're just going to return, you know? I say this all the time. Nothing leaves your life until you've learned what it came to teach you. Yes. So if you're still there, you're still learning. 
And, you know, Christina hit two of my, the things I preach mostly to my private clients and my group clients, knowledge is power. Yes. Understanding your situation for what it really is, not what we want it to be, not what they're telling us it is, not what they're trying to convince us it is. Understanding it for what it really is, is power. And Uh the other, the other thing, which I love that you brought this to light on the, on the podcast, self-priority is also power. Mm-hmm. You can start practicing that and, you know, putting yourself as a, in a position where you start valuing yourself. That is very powerful also. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, thank you for being here. Too, so thank you. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for sharing that because I know, um, you know, some of that stuff is difficult to talk about, especially just as long as you've been out. So, so thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners, because you, you are going to impact many with this episode. Well, I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to share my story. So I I hope that it could be helpful to somebody. It will be. And you are, you are actually going to be more of a blessing in people's lives through your future than you even have a clue. I'm (laughs) so proud of you. Thank you. I'm sure that we will talk again. Um, Okay but I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Christina. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with others. Looking for a community that understands? Join our Facebook support group, Strength Within. For more information on all the services Dr. Heidi provides, please visit www.coachingwithdrheidi.com. It's time for you to break free because it's not normal, it's toxic.